following message was delivered at Bible Baptist Church in Dickinson, North Dakota. Chapter 2 tonight. <clears throat> First Peter chapter 2 and beginning in verse 11. <clears throat> First Peter chapter 2, and we'll begin in verse 11. <clears throat> Here the Bible says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. I'd like to begin to preach on this subject. Peter's earnest and affectionate warning. Peter's earnest and affectionate warning. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, I thank you for this passage of scripture. And Father, for the truths that are being taught here. And Lord, Father, you are warning the people of Peter's day. And Father, even now you would like to warn us. And Father, Lord, this is not a warning based on anger or upset per se, but rather an earnest and affectionate desire to help. God help us to see that, I pray. And Father, may it affect not only us, but those we come in contact with. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, Peter's earnest and affectionate warning. Uh, here in, our, in these words, dearly beloved, I beseech you, that is Peter's affectionate, earnest plea for these who he's speaking to, to listen. It's something important to him. It's something led by the Spirit of God. It is something that God wanted his people to know, not only in that day, but in our day as well. The word dearly means with great fondness as we love our children dearly. And a dearly beloved. The word beloved means loved, greatly loved, dear to the heart. And Peter is writing these words not just as a preacher, but as one who lovingly cares for these people, wants what's best for them and their lives for the Lord. In 1 Thessalonians 2, 1 Thessalonians 2, and verses 10 through 12. 1 Thessalonians 2, verses 10 through 12, Paul had the same kind of affection and desire for those that he ministered to. In 1 Thessalonians 2 and 10, here witnesses and God also how holily and justly and unblameably we have behaved ourselves among you that believe. As you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children that you would walk worthy of God who hath called you into his kingdom and glory. But he talks about his fatherly care, his love for them, and how dear they were to him. If you will, Philemon, Philemon, 2 Timothy, and then we have Philemon, and then Hebrews, or excuse me, Titus, and then Philemon. I'm sorry, Titus, then Philemon. I should go home and sing the song, amen. Philemon, and uh, verses 8 uh, through 10. Here Paul writing to Philemon said, Wherefore, though I might be bold, much be much bold in Christ, 
to enjoin thee that which is convenient. Yet for love's sake I rather beseech thee, being such an one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds. Again, he's referring to them in, in earnest and affectionate tones because he's reminding them really of his love for them and his work with them. The word beseech means to entreat, to supplicate, to implore, to ask or pray with urgency, followed by a person or a thing as I beseech your patience. 2 Corinthians 10, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, again, Paul, or Peter is beseeching them, he's entreating them uh, to listen to what he has to say, even as Paul, is, as, P, as Paul did in other places, and get those two guys straight. In 2 Corinthians 10 and 1, Paul writes here, Now I, Paul, myself beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence and base among you, but being absent, bold toward you. But I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence wherewith I think to be bold against some which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. So he's beseeching them. He's earnestly appealing to them, entreating them to listen to him. You know, it's times like these when, when Peter and Paul, as they're growing old in the Lord, and their service for God are most concerned, even more so than I think in the beginning, very concerned for those that they ministered to. In Romans 12 and 1, if you look there with me, Romans 12 and 1, and be sure any, uh, a pastor who cares for his flock at times will beseech earnestly and affectionately beseech, or if you will, appeal to those that he ministers to. In Romans 12 and 1, Paul writes, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be a transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So Peter is beseeching them with an earnest affection for them, and his, his earnest plea for them comes in the form of a warning. And uh, <clears throat> Peter's uh, earnest affectionate appeal is based on three particular things. He says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you. So look back to 1 Peter 2 and 10 and see the first things that are first of the three that are involved in uh, Peter's earnest appeal to these brethren. In uh, 1 Peter 2 and 11, Dearly beloved, I beseech you. His first, if you will, of the, uh, the things by which he's trying to draw their attention to and beseech them over is it, in, it is involving their relationship to this world and the next. He says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims. Now, as strangers, the word stranger uh, means Joel Walters and Laura, his wife. And no, no, it doesn't say that anywhere, no. But rather, he says, it's defined as a foreigner, one who belongs to another country. As it was said, Paris and London are visited by strangers from all the countries of Europe. In Genesis 23, if you look there with me, Genesis 23, <clears throat> Abraham referred to himself as a stranger. 
Genesis 23 and 1. The Bible says, And Sarah was 107 and 20 years old, and uh, 20 years old, and uh, these were the years of the life of Sarah. And Sarah died in Kirjath Arba, uh, the same as Hebron in the land of Canaan. And Abraham came to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. And Abraham stood up from before his dead and spake unto the sons of Heth, saying, I am a stranger and a sojourner with you. Give me a possession of a burying place with you that I may bury my dead out of my sight. One day God had promised to give them the land of Canaan, but until that time he was, if you will, a, uh, if you will, a stranger in that land, one who was not of that country, of that nation. Look with me to Psalm 39. Psalm 39 tonight. And verses 12 and 13. Psalm 39, verses 12 and 13. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and give ear unto my cry. Hold not thy peace at my tears, for I am a stranger with thee and a sojourner as all my fathers were. O spare me that I may recover strength before I go hence and be no more. He is, he is appealing to the Lord based upon really his situation and status in this world. As Christian people, we are considered strangers in this world. We are not truly of this world anymore. We are of a heavenly country, a better place than we even live in now. C.S. Lewis, who was a, um, an author... And the writer said this, and he wrote wrote many Christian apologetic-type books, wrote and said this, A continual looking forward to the eternal world is not a form of escapism or wishful thinking, but one of the things a Christian is meant to do. It does not mean that we are to leave the present world as it is. If you read history, you will find that the Christian who did the most for the, the present world were just those who thought most of the next. You know, folks, we're not, this world is not our home. We're just a passing through as we sing the song, and we're here for a time and then gone. This is not our home, but while we are here, there is something that God wants us to do. He also said, aim at heaven, and you get earth thrown in. Aim at earth, and you get neither. Aim at heaven, and you get the earth thrown in. Aim at earth, and you get neither. Psalm 119. Psalm 119. The warning Peter is giving to God's people here is a warning not to be so attached or involved with this world as it is, but to be used of God in this world to help others find the world to come. In Psalm 119 and 19, David writes, I am a stranger in the earth. Hide not thy commandments from me. Why? Because God's commandments are a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. In John 17, look with me there. John 17. And look at verse 6, John 17 and verse 6. Christ put it this way. He said, I have manifest my name, thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest me, 
gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Look, if you will, to verse 14 through 16. I have given them thy word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the, of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldst take them out of the world, but that thou shouldst keep them from evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Even Christ knew and understood and taught his disciples that this world is not our home. We are here for a purpose, for a reason, and for a time, and really a very short time in all reality. The Bible speaks of the time we have on this earth as being like a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away, if you will, as strangers, if you We'll look with me to Ephesians 2 and 19. Ephesians 2 and 19. Again, Paul writing to the church at Ephesus said this, Now therefore you no more strangers and uh, foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom you're also built together for an habitation of God. Through the Spirit of says, you're no, more, you're no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints of the household of God. What a blessing that folks, when we get saved by the grace of God, uh, we move, if you will, from the kingdom of this world, the kingdom of darkness, into the kingdom of light or Christ. Not only are we strangers, but as pilgrims, a pilgrim is a wanderer, a traveler, particularly one that travels to, uh, to a distance from a country, uh, from his own country, to visit a holy place or to pay his devotion to the remains of dead saints. In the scriptures, one that is only a temporary residence on the earth. God is again, through Peter, trying to remind his people and would remind us as a part of his warning that we have a citizenship in heaven. We are strangers on this earth. This world is not all there is to it. This life that we live is not all that we have to deal with. You know, it's important that what we're doing now and the life we live now makes an eternal impact on those that we're, we have something to do with. And it's important that they understand, you know, we, we're not here forever and we know it. And Christians should be living with heaven in view and hopefully taking others to heaven with them in Genesis 47. Genesis 47, look there with me. Genesis 47. And look at verses 8 and 9. Here the Bible says, And Pharaoh said unto Jacob, How old art thou? What a question. Well, he must have looked pretty old, and he was at this time pretty old. But his answer, in a way, I think, may have been his attempt at possibly witnessing to Pharaoh. Because he says it this way, And Jacob said unto Pharaoh, The days of the years of my pilgrimage are in hundred and thirty years. Few and evil have the days of, of the years of my life been, and have not attained to the days of the years of the life of my father's. In the days of their pilgrimage, he's saying, listen, I'm, I'm just here as a pilgrim. I'm here for a short time. I'm not here for the long term or the long haul. He's, he's effectively saying there's something better that I'm looking forward to, even as my fathers which were before me. 
Psalm 119 and 54. Psalm 119 and 54. Here the Bible says, Thy thy statutes have been my song in the house of my pilgrimage. Again, referring to the fact that we're only here for a short time and that we do not have a citizenship in this world. Now, you know, often we've had people come to our church and we have er, encouraged them who are from other countries to come and become citizens of the United States. I think of Gildas, who we encouraged him with. He finally became a citizen of the United States. We celebrated that with him. Uh, Cash just recently has become a citizen of the United States, and that's important. And uh, I believe uh, Merlini, or however you want to refer to her, I can't pronounce her name properly, but I think she's looking forward to eventually herself becoming, if you will, a citizen of the U.S., But there's a citizenship that's greater than that of being an American. I'm thankful to be an American, and it's good to be a flag-waving American and what have you, but there's a country that is greater than we have now, a country where there'll be no strife, no more sin, no more sorrow, none of that to look forward to in Hebrews 11 and 13, Hebrews 11 and 13. And if you're saved by the grace of God, you're headed there. Your citizenship is there spiritually. In Hebrews 11, beginning in verse 13, Hebrews 11, beginning in verse 13, uh, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country, that is in heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. You know, folks, we're citizens of heaven and You know something, I think part of what uh, kept some of the Old Testament saints moving forward under some of the most difficult of circumstances, and even those who went through the bloody dark ages, had to live with the fact that, you know something, we may be outcast and this world may be thrown out, abused and persecuted and run out and killed, but we have a better country. That is in heavenly. We have something better to look forward to two than this. I can't imagine being persecuted unto the death without the thought crossing the minds of God's people time and again saying, you know what? Okay, if this is what God has for me, I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to move forward knowing that there's something better than this. And you know, there are times in our lives when God has given us an opportunity to have some things And maybe things are not as bad as maybe they've been in times past. But folks, those kinds of things will not carry us through and cause us to live for God as we ought to. It's rather us keeping our eyes on the Lord and what is coming for the future. And folks, knowing knowing that God wants to use us to help others to have what we have to look forward to. You know, it's great to rejoice in heaven to come But what about the people that you and I know 
that don't have that joy, that don't have that assurance that when they die, they will be with the Lord. Jeremy Taylor wrote, he lived in 1613 to 1667. He said, faith is the Christian's foundation. Hope is his anchor. Death is his harbor. Christ is his pilot. And heaven is his country. We talk about his pilot being the one on board the ship that guides the ship through the most murky and troublesome waters of life. Christ is our pilot. But folks, our destination is our heavenly country. Amen. Philippians 3 and 21. Philippians 3 and 20. Philippians 3 and 20. Now this is a warning. Peter is trying to beseech them to be serious about this life. Philippians chapter 2. Excuse me. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20. I'm sorry. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. But he says our conversation, this word conversation, he says, is in heaven. This speaks of the manner of our behavior reflects our citizenship of heaven. Our life, our conversation, our manner of life should reflect our citizenship, the citizenship of heaven. You know, it's amazing that I've heard it said that when people go overseas and and maybe go to a country where, you know, everybody is Caucasian for the most part, and they visit those countries outside of the speech of the people, the American people, sometimes their behavior reflects where they're from. And I've heard it said by some who've been over in a foreign country that not only uh, by the, the, you know, not only besides the way they talk, but by the way they act. People recognize them as being from America. And it's hard to believe, but some have said of Americans that we're some of the most arrogant of people. It's sad to say, and yet, Maybe it's because we are Americans and we have freedom that many do not have. I don't know. But in Colossians 1, if you look there with me, verses 12 through 14, Colossians 1, 12 through 14, here Paul says, Giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. God in salvation translates us from the power of darkness, the kingdom of darkness, into, if you will, the kingdom of his dear son. And what a blessing that is. It's a kingdom, now listen, it's a kingdom not of this world. It's an heavenly kingdom, though there are those of us who live in it in this world. Look at me to John 18. John 18, John 18, (coughs) and uh, verse 36, as uh, (coughs) Christ spoke or was examined by Pilate, Jesus answered and said, Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. 
But now is my kingdom not from hence. Even our Lord Jesus Christ acknowledged that his kingdom was not of this world. And yet he was living in this world. He had a purpose in this world to redeem the souls of men. And I thank God that he fulfilled his father's will in this world, knowing that there was something better to come for those who would hear him. In 2 Peter 3, if you look with me there, 2 Peter 3. And verse 9, again, this, this is a warning from Peter. And Peter is writing here even in this passage, 2 Peter 3 and beginning in verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat, and the earth also, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore... In light of this truth, and understanding that this world as it is now will not continue forever. The Bible says here, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. Be diligent what? Be diligent in the work of the Lord for the Lord while we have time. You know, the Lord is coming. And I've heard many a person I've talked to lately, sometimes Christians, they say, boy, I, I sure wish the rapture would happen. They wish they could go home, be with the Lord. And yet, folks, that's all well and good. But there are people that the Lord would like to have go with us. People that you know, people that I know, people that we love, we care about, people that we ha have yet to know and be, come to a place where we love and care about them. You know, we have visitors who come to church, and we have an opportunity to invite people to come to church to hear, to hear the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not always a popular message. It's not always going to make people feel good, but it's something that they need to hear. John Baptist said in Matthew 3, to those that came to, uh, the, the religious crowd that came to spy out the liberty of the Christians said this, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Sometimes we have to warn unsaved people of the future, the future wrath of God to come, in order to help them to know that there is an alternative to wrath and judgment. And that's heaven, amen? To give them an opportunity, if you will, to become citizens of heaven and understand that this life is only a short life. We don't know. You know, folks, we don't know when we're going to die. You know, it's sad to, to know of some folks that we've known here in this church who are not with us today. And who would have imagined uh, two years ago that two of them would be gone? I wouldn't have imagined it. I didn't think of it. And yet, it's happened. And in my estimation, sometimes I felt like almost as if their life was cut short died in their 60s. And you know, 
<clears throat> you and I don't know when we're going to die. We don't know how much of our life we have yet to live. I don't think we should live in fear and terror of death, but focus our attention on that which is to come, and that's heaven. And try to take as many folks with us. Amen? Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for thy word. And I pray, God, that your will be done in each and every one of our lives. God, help us, Father, to take heed to the warning that Peter is giving to these Christians. Father, it's a warning even to us. And Lord, let us not be angry at warnings. Let us take, take heed to the warnings. Let us appreciate the times when God would warn us of what we need to do. God bless your people, and Father, bless the week to come, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about this message, or if you would like information about our church, please visit us online at bbcdickinson.com.